Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Mae West hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz, and welcome to In Yo Mouth. In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Goosebumps. <laughs> hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the most is Munoz. And boy, do I have an episode for you today. Today, I will have on the phone chef Nikisa Newton, who is doing something extraordinary with her talents. Not only is she QPOC fam, for those of you out there who don't know all the terminology, that's queer person of color. Yes, my lesbian sister. Um, but she is also feeding the strippers and the sex workers of Portland using her chefing culinary talents. Yes! If there was one person out there who embodies the entirety of what this podcast is, food, sex, queer, POC, it is not only me, but also Chef Nikisa Newton. So without further ado, I'm so excited to get her on the phone and on the pod. Let's get to it and let's dial her up. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Hey, man. I'm doing very well. It's nice to finally get on your show. Oh, my God. I am so excited to have you on the pod. Thank you so much. I'm going to say thank you about a million times today. I am so excited to talk to you and just about everything you're doing for your community, in your community. But first and foremost, how's the weather in Portland? Hey, man. You know what? It's another great day. <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> 
a little bit of rain. It's not too cold out. So that means, you know, I can still get out and do things. I just, it just takes a little more motivation to get the day started. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. It's that like January gray, you know, that the January blues, the holidays are over. We're back to work. Yeah. We're hitting the grind, you know. Yeah. The cold. Go to the gym or I'm going to eat some more dip. You know what I mean? It's one of those situations. Yeah, we're it? trying to keep those resolutions intact, but that dip okay. is there. <laughs> And speaking of, I wanted to wish you happy National English Toffee Day. What? Are you serious? Yeah, That's right. awesome. I just ate that stuff last night. That's the bomb. Really? That's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I actually used to, you know, incorporate that in my meals. So. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, I guess I've had some English toffee like a few weeks ago over the holidays, but um. Yeah, not part of my normal repertoire, but to all of you, to, to all you listeners out there celebrating, happy National English Toffee Day. I wanted to tell you that um, I always celebrate our gay ancestors. And on this day in our gay history, in 1978, Harvey Milk makes national news when he is sworn in as a member of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We have a street named after him down here in Portland. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that little tidbit. We're starting the new year off on positive notes, you know, right? Yeah. The the voice of Harvey uh, Milk is with you, you know, my queer sister. <laughs> right here. Let's do it. So uh, let's get let's get into it um, because you are a chef. You are feeding the the sex workers and the strippers of Portland. You are moving and shaking and creating a name for yourself out there. Yes. That I love like it. so much. That sounds like so much. That, uh... But no, you you are doing it. Look, folks, folks out there in podcast land, Nikisha has been all over the news, the blogs, the internets, because she is making waves in the community but I want to start at the very beginning and I wanted to know um how did you start cooking where did you find your love for cooking where did I find my love for cooking you know honestly I think um it was not, I wouldn't say boredom but me and my brother like you know summertime we couldn't go out and like you know what I'm saying we, we might engage in the marijuana so we started cooking for ourselves when we were younger and then both my parents cooked and I think just having that influence and when I was younger, also being in Japan, we had one station that was in English, and we would always watch the cooking shows. So I think just from that, just having food and different types of food always around us growing up was uh, was was a big role in my life. Wait a minute. Wait one second. Um, you, Japan, Japan. Where did you grow up? Did you did you grow up in Japan? Um, I spent five years of my life in Japan. My dad was Air Force, Misawa Air Force Base. Is uh, yeah. That, that's that's uh, a big part of uh, me, I guess, growing up in me. So yeah. Yeah. Where else? Where else did your the service uh, industry take you? Like not the service industry, but like you know, yeah, the, the, our service men, your dad take you um we also uh we did we did a couple of years in portugal and i i was a child so i don't i don't recall everything from portugal but there are certain things and certain foods i mean my mom still cooks caldo verde which is um portuguese potato kale soup that's something i cook and that's we've never written down the recipe that just comes from like straight up from the dome um uh i'd say <laughs> north dakota arizona california um 
uh, as far as my dad, Japan and Portugal. That that's uh, the sum of it. And then wow. personally, um, I've I did six months in North Carolina as a chef, and um, I did it in Portland doing my thing. Wow, where in North Carolina? I love North Carolina. North Carolina. So there's a small town called Cashiers or Cashiers, Cashiers or Cashiers. And that's, um, I believe it's like an hour and a half northwest of Asheville. Oh, all right. Yeah. It's, in the, it's in the mountains. It's uh, it's like a rich folks place. Um, uh, only, I guess, anything you're related to is George Clooney, his tequila company, Casa Amigos. Yes, Casa Amigos. Yeah, yeah. Well, he co or he used to co own. Um, the brothers, one of the brothers or the brothers own the company that I worked for, Discovery Land. And that was honestly one of the best experiences of my life. And I wish I would have did that when I was younger. Wow. Wow. So it seems like cooking was just ingrained from the get go. And it was almost it was almost betrothed on you. And it was like your destiny to become this fabulous chef. Oh, man. <laughs> OK, yeah, I agree. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, the love for food is definitely there. Um, having a positive perspective about food and my relationship with food um, definitely has been, I'd say, ingrained in me coming up. So definitely, yes, I agree. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And did you go to school or um, did you just start working uh, your way up in restaurants and so on well, and so forth? Hey, I appreciate education, but uh, I, I did not take the school route. I just, um, I worked my way up. Um, I am very grateful. I had really good chefs in my life, um, starting even in North Dakota, uh, a female chef there where she's like one of the only, and she was trying to do something different there. She had a Chicago gangster gangland type theme restaurant with courses and um, courses in the Midwest don't really, they don't usually go hand to hand. It's still kind of a new concept. I would say new, but for North Dakota it was, um, to coming out here to Portland to like some of my chefs now have their own restaurants. Um, yeah, it was just, um, just, you know, staying on the grind. Like now I cook more at home. It's like, keep, keep honing your skills. So I'm, I find myself cooking more, trying different things, eating different things. Um, just, just keep myself engulfed in food. Yeah. And you're a vegetarian, correct? I am not. <laughs> you are not, but, but you said, but you're dealing out vegetarian meals. Yeah, I, I definitely. Um, I, I, I am eating, I'd say definitely less and less animals in my life, but I you know, still appreciate them. Uh, my meals are, all my meals are vegetarian and they can be easily made vegan. Um, it's, I don't know, there's still just a love for bacon and fried chicken. I mean, hello, hello. Best fried chicken in Portland? Best fried chicken in Portland is probably... Oh man, probably something that a friend of mine makes. Um, and there's there's probably some out there. I haven't tried them all. To be honest with you, um, there is a movement of fried chicken going on in Portland. Literally about five to six restaurants have opened recently and they're all fried chicken. So um, I haven't been able to try all those new things. Did you get your hands on that Popeye's fried chicken sandwich when it was all the rage? And do you have an opinion on it? <laughs> I, I, chef life, hashtag chef life, you know what I mean? I'll just make that sandwich myself. That's all I'm going to say. All right. I'll just make that sandwich myself. That's yeah. all. I mean, I mean, why not? You have the tools to do it. Exactly. And I did not make the sandwich myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's still a chance for you to go try that sandwich. So, yeah. Listen, um, apparently they're back. I passed the Popeyes the other day. There were signs everywhere. They're back. If you if you want to try them out there, I have no desire myself. But kudos to you. You know what I mean. <laughs> 
Wow, man, such a big deal. That was that was a lot of 2019, huh? That was like the end. That was the end of the decade, right? Where our focus was whether this chicken sandwich was good or not. Oh, man. You know, fighting over a chicken sandwich. That's going to be... Remember when, what was it? VH, VH1 used to do Remember the 90s or Remember the yeah. 80s, right? Yeah. Was it VH1? Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be like that decade when we're really old, you know? <laughs> oh, man, yeah. And we're yeah. going to be like, really, was this our focus, this chicken sandwich? Yeah, but no. you weren't there. To remind you, you weren't there. That's just how the time was. It was, you know, bleep, just a blip in history for us. Yeah. So, so what's your like? So, growing up in this kitchen, let's let's get into it. Um, because you know, kitchens are a male-dominated world. It's like hyper-masculine, so on and so forth. And you know, just being not only being a woman in the kitchen, but being a woman of color in the kitchen, and then a queer woman of color in the kitchen. Hello, there's so many layers to unpack there. How was that for you? How was it for me? Um, you know what? Uh, there, it, there's mixed emotions. I mean, uh, like I said, or not like I've said, but I've stated before in interviews, I kind of came at that, um, I guess, that turning point, that crossroad where I, I just had to do something for me because... I felt like I was at the the end of my cooking career in Portland in someone else's kitchen, I should say. Um, I've always had to work hard uh, being a black woman um, in my life, and I always work double hard. I feel like it just naturally comes that way. So it was it was definitely being sick of working so hard for everybody else. Um, and like I said, I've had good chefs. I've learned a tremendous amount of uh, information technique here and in North Carolina. Definitely uh, was a lot of experience there. Um, so I can't, I can't hate on it because I mean, all this stuff helps us become a better person, you know. What I mean? Yeah, but uh, did you find? I mean, did you find it hard? And I did. I mean, of course, I would get passed up for things. I mean, all these like supervisor positions, I get passed up, and you know, you ha- you you you're like outskilled or you're whatever the case may be, better than the person who they're either bringing in or moving up or. I mean, one of the last things is, uh, you know, some stuff went down with my kitchen manager, and it was like. I got fired and, you know, three weeks later, they asked me to come back. So, you know, stuff like that, um, you know, yeah, it, it definitely was difficult. And, um, you know what I mean? Triumph over adversity is what I say. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep moving forward. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. Hey, yeah, when, I, when old bosses come and add you on their Instagram, add you on the Facebook, and they ask you about jobs, I mean, I guess I'm doing something right. That's right. You know, you are ahead of the <laughs> clock. <laughs> Show them how it's done. Oops, I did. I did. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you know, like RuPaul once said, just to be really cliche, if they ain't paying your bills, pay them bitches no mind, honey. That's what it is. That's right. Yeah. I've seen a lot of nonsense in the kitchen too, because I'm uh, 20 years in hospitality, like just, oh, you know, front of the house staff and catering yeah. and so on and so forth and you know just the nonsense that goes on just as you know a gay boy in the kitchen or a gay man in the kitchen right but then you add you add the layer when you're behind you know behind the counter and cooking and then adding that not only are you um a black woman but a lesbian black woman and then what does that mean and all of like the me too stuff and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth it's just it's it's a fight indeed and i always like to to see um, our people's, you know, come up from that opinion. 
I will, you know, honestly, I'll say, even though that last position uh, where, you know, I got fired and asked to come back, uh, I will say that was a very, very tolerant kitchen. It was, it was well known, it was well said, like, you know, they're hiring, they're literally hiring more people of color, they're hiring trans people, stuff like that. So um, I'll definitely uh, give them props on that aspect. You know, the way, the way stuff went down, not so cool. But um, it's it's definitely, I would, I would say there has been a movement of progressiveness, um, but I'm also not in kitchens anymore. But I know that, I mean, I know that machismo and like male, cis white male stuff is, it's like ingrained almost, you know what I mean? So, um, where do you, where do you, I, think, especially I, in the kitchen, you know, yeah. and where do you think that comes from? Like, where to me personally, it comes when you got, I mean, no, it's man, I ain't trying to offend, but Michelin star James Beard, is, or, or when you only see like white males as the you know, the best, you know, when you've seen the best or this, or you compare it, it's always a white man or a white woman. Like, there's great chefs of all types. They're in, they're in food trucks, they're in this, they're selling on the corner, they're selling over here in subways in New York, not getting arrested, you know, stuff like that. Hello, so, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, as you know, like, white, European, that, that's not the epitome, that's not the epitome of everything in life, you know what I mean? Uh, At all. Uh, amen, you know, and I mean, even though Mr. James Beard himself was was fam, he was fam, right? As a, as a gay man. I didn't know. I looked Yeah, he was. He he was, but but it's it's creating this culture and of like, for lack of a better way to put it, just non inclusiveness, you know? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. But that's that's exactly what it is. Right. That's and, Oh, every, I mean, you think about the white chef's coat. You know, I, mean? I can't wait to get a black chef's coat. You know what I mean? It just, it's just. Well, uh, what are you waiting for? They're like 20 bucks on Amazon, girl. Well, because well, I'm getting a custom made one from a uh, sex worker. She's actually out in, in, in NYC, but she's a dance in Portland. And um, she does a Chicana streetwear meets skatewear style. Wait up. Shout her out. Shout her out. People need to know her name. Ah, Sweet Death is her Instagram, uh, Brixton, I'll just say is her dancer name. I don't want to put the real name out there. Okay. Uh, yeah, she uh, she just got a write-up, I believe, in Bus Magazine about her dope-ass dope style. So, um, yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to have to link her out on the pod because I love, I love celebrating each other and, like, just doing – people doing great things, you know? Yeah, of course. Hello? I'm trying to bring everybody, you know what I mean? Those are not good to me, but those that know me and those who, um, you know, work well with me and obviously those of color, like I'm trying to all of us raise up together. You know, if I'm going up, they're coming up with me. So. That That's always been my motto and kind of the the new motto of, the, of this podcast, right, is to celebrate, you know, queer people of color in yep. food, right? And you and I had a short, hello, ew. <laughs> and you encompass everything that this podcast is about and so when i started reading articles about you i was like i need her on the pod i need her on the pod come and come and laugh with me would you mind um in celebration of you sharing your coming out story uh it's <laughs> so hard to speak about yourself all right um my coming out story um uh, you know, uh, I was, oh man, I mean, I had a girlfriend at 19. I was in North Dakota. I think my coming out story was when my parents walked into my room and I had another girl in my twin bed. 
I mean, I, you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. really a coming out story. I think everybody kind of knew. Um, I did kind of confirm it more when I left to Portland from North Dakota and I got a talk from my parents about settling down and finding a man. And I was just like, that's not going to happen because I like women. So, um, I mean, uh, rest in peace, my dad's not on this earth anymore, but yeah, my parents, uh, or my mom, my parents know that I'm a gay woman, a gay woman. Um, I'm 38 now. So, I mean, 19, I don't know. I feel like you had a good start at 19. Um, I don't, yeah, I guess that would be my coming out story was like, yeah, walk- I mean, I mean, and that's beautiful. Uh, we, we as LGBTQ people all have different stories, different walks of life. And so I think as we get to know each other and I have, and in celebration, especially of not only queer POC people, but queer POC people in food, I think each of our stories are um, equally as important because you never know, especially with this podcast, who's who's listening and who will be inspired, who needs to know, who needs to know that it gets better, who needs to know that we are highlighting people that aren't that are doing fabulous things amazing things in this world that aren't the kim kardashians that aren't you know um uh, the andy cohen's and and so on and so forth you know so i mean sorry i just was uh who he is but no you're absolutely right um actually the lady um molly s uh i forget her last name but she wrote the lgbtq nation article and i emailed her back and i I sent her a clip because i get the new york times race related and they had a little piece in there about you know a young black male who had just you know, committed suicide. And it's just like, you know, we're saving lives. We're putting more, I don't, I'm not saying I'm personally a lifesaver, but when we see more faces that we're familiar with, whether it's in the gay yes. community, then yeah, man, that you're exactly, that's exactly right. Hopefully we are. Yeah. Hopefully people... and, and this is what I'm, this is what I am doing with the pod. And like I said, Thank in you. celebration, your story is, is just as important as my story, as important as anybody's story, because I don't know who's listening out there. And if yeah. we, and if we can inspire somebody or just, or just yeah. give some hope to anybody out there, right? With your story and my story, then why not? Right. Then why, then why the fuck not? no? That was actually one of the first restaurants I worked at in Portland. It's called Porque No. Oh, I love that. I love that. Now, why? Now, <laughs> funny question, because stereotypical, stereotypically, Portland is known as like lesbian capital of America. And in doing <laughs> and in doing a little bit of research, um, it's even more so the Portland metro region has the second highest percent of LGBTQ residents of any metropolitan area in the nation. I didn't realize this, and it was uh second to San Francisco, and it's about five point five percent of adults in the region identify as LGBTQ. Why is that? You, uh, you know, I honestly, I think it's the, uh, that old West Coast vibe. Um, it's, you know, everybody's laid back, a little more laid back and chill, definitely passive aggressive. But then uh, there's people here who, yeah, they're going to roll down and do the naked bike parade and they're going to say that it's okay to be queer and this and trans and houseless and all these, all the same thing, checking all the boxes. Um, I think just people are more apt to uh, make their presence known in whatever category box they want to put it in. They say keep Portland weird. We all know that's originally from Texas, but uh, yeah, Austin, from Austin. But, yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it has transcended up here too. So um, I think 
there's, yeah, that mentality of like, it's okay to wear your freak flag, if you want to call it that. You know what I mean? If you like to watch birds in your underwear from your house, people <laughs> like to do that too. You know, if you like is to that, is that are you telling are you telling the listeners out there that that's what you all do, right? Um, you know, I watch a lot of animals from my windows, uh, mostly opossum, squirrels, and raccoons. In your uh, underwear, then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, yes. Why not? Why not? I'm here for it. You know. Yeah. So um, I think I think that just the presence, like people are more apt to make the presence known. So um, I mean, it's it's you know I take it for granted that walking down the street holding someone's hand and I'm not being attacked. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't happen here because there has been obviously in the nation more attacks uh, for LGBTQ and people of color, and it happens here in Portland too. So it's not a safe haven, but. Um, yeah, because uh, going down south, down south, at least when I was in Atlanta, it's like, you know, we got the looks, but I don't know, it's, it's just weird. Like, at least down south, if people say, hi, hello, my name, you know, hey, ladies, how are you? They'll say hi, whatever, have a blessed day. But here you walk down the street, no matter what, you might not get a head nod or anything like that. So. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, like, I mean, I live in New York City. Not, uh, everybody's head down. Eye on the prize. <laughs> no one says hello. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting, but um, there's definitely, a, I'd say I, I feel a lot more comfortable or at ease. Like, yeah, like, I was you know, I was really surprised to find. Yeah. I was yeah. yeah, I was really surprised to find out that Portland just has the second highest percentage of LGBTQ residents. I was blown away. I was like, all right. I'm uh, like looking I, out the window. Do the math. That means every other house. Every other apartment building, just like do the math to that person. And you know what? I think nowadays that's probably definitely, definitely true. I feel like there's a lot more poly, a lot more this going on. There's classes, workshops, seminars, um, you know, kinks, non-kinks. It's just, um, yeah, just, it's just, there's just more like, we're going to make our presence known. If you're Uh into something like this, there's a community here. You shouldn't be ashamed. That that type of mentality. I need, I need to, I may need to move to Portland. Maybe I'll find myself a husband because New York, New York City ain't working. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, maybe we'll switch places and see how it goes. Oh, yeah. Well, we could do like an apartment swap for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that would be dope. (laughs) (laughs) And I live in Times Square. So it's crazy boots. Crazy boots. All right. You never know. Hey, that could be a great episode. Yes. Are, Are you single, by the way? Um, I'm, I'm single. Yeah, I'm single. All right. All right. Just for the ladies listening out there, just in case you wanted to know if you're, if you're in Portland, hit her up, hit her up. Right. No, absolutely not. They can hit me <laughs> uh, in, in about, give, give me about another six, to eight months. I literally told myself that, um, I don't want to date or do anything that will distract me from my business for a year and a half. Um, I don't even want to go on vacation for like two years. Um, you know what I mean? We can always be friends. Um, but, I uh, love that a little a little focus on focus. right a little like laser laser focus on you right to be the best you so you could be so you can attract the best for you that's true actually it's true and uh, you know that's what's kind of worked out for me definitely people in the industry or more I'm not saying more professional people but people in the industry it's been uh, it's been interesting to meet so many dope people more P B I P O C people, BIPOC people as well. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to stay in my lane, stay focused and uh, get where I need to be. I'm just, you know, my business isn't there yet. It's, it's been a year and I appreciate all the media and coverage, but um, like I said, I've never ran a business before. So there's so many more things, business model, business plan, certain things I want to get lined up before I take the next big step. 
Yes, so, yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure Maybe the audience is waiting with bated breath to actually get to the nitty gritty of the business and what you do, so yeah. on and so forth. But well, before we get there, right, because we, we got to keep them in suspense, girl, I'm going to take you through, right, my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the pod, a little something we call Food News Update. <laughs> Let's get it. Food <laughs> news. Uh, Food news. Honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. Food news. Uh, a vegan man is going to court to prove that veganism is a philosophical belief. The Thumbs de- down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if he wants to waste, waste his time in court, go for it. Thumbs down. Oh, my God. Uh, Nikia, listen to this. So a court case in Norwich, England, could potentially give vegans the same legal protections as certain religious groups. That's going too far. That's going too far. Come on, man. Come oh, my on. God. Yeah. Uh, Jordi Casamijana is an ethical vegan, which means he doesn't consume animal products of any form, meaning no food, fur, or other products tested on animals. Furthermore, he was claimed he was fired from his job, allegedly because of his veganism. No, you know what he was fired for? Because he does shit like this. (laughs) 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 You know what I mean? He's wasting the judge, the the jury, the lawyer. The lawyer is making bank off him. Yeah, so if he can get this passed, like, it would be a a protected characteristic. A, prote- a protected characteristic means that it is not lawful grounds for discrimination, similar to race, religion, and pregnancy. No, I, I, I just disagree with that one. Don't like say this down. could be this could be huge if he gets this passed for for vegans all over the world. By the way, oh, because <laughs> then there's there's think about it. There's like vegan vegan protection laws and uh tax relief for vegans and not that i'm against vegans if you want to be a vegan uh, all the more power to you honey but, but then everybody's gonna want to be a vegan when they're not and how do you prove that you know what i mean you know what i mean we know race is a made-up concept we get that but certain things either you know we might be born into we can't help and there's reasons why we have these protections but uh what you eat should not be a part of that <laughs> eat what you wear should not be a part of that Thing, choice. Yeah, it's it's your choice, Jordy. Well, uh, we may not be with you here <laughs> in your no, mouth. We're not. I'm not. We are not. In your mouth, podcast is not. No, I, I, I'm not on board either uh, with this court case. But you know what? All the more power to you. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. Chipotle is adding a new super green salad mix to its menu that includes baby kale and spinach to adhere oh. to keto and other fad diets. Well, I think they're getting on that Nikisa Newton Meals for Hills train because I use kale in my in my mix. Um, kale is the basis of my meals. Um, Chipotle's got an uphill fight, so whatever they whatever they can do, I, I guess go for it. So basically, and thank you once again, Delish.com, for where I get most of my food news. Um, not a sponsor. <laughs> but basically, the, what more do you need to know about this story? Uh, Chipotle is getting on board with all, all the healthy foods so they can at least claim that they're Whole30 or Keto, right? And they're calling them uh, lifestyle bowls. 
buzzwords, buzzwords. Um, I, I think Chipotle, y'all need to focus on having uh, better meat, meat sources, I think is the biggest concern. Wasn't um, there, but wasn't that the whole gimmick about Chipotle? What was that their meat sources were right, supposed exactly. to be grown? Yeah, but you saw what happened. Didn't they have like an outbreak? And yeah, I think I, you know what? This is, uh, you took us to an interesting place because maybe this is, they're still, and I think so, they're still fighting that and they're still doing damage oh. control. And this is probably part of that damage control from way back when, yeah. when, they, when they had all those problems. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know what it takes to run a large corporation, but I just think it's very hard to keep your meat sources and even sometimes vegetable sources, you know, clean or sustainable when you're on that larger scale, unless you would have to work with regional, you know what I mean? Like, and even it'd be like the cities, it wouldn't be like the statewide, it'd be at the smaller scale in order to keep Yeah, like, like farm to table, yeah. kind of like Sweet Greens is doing. Do you, have, do you have Sweet Greens out in Portland? No, we don't, but should we? Uh, sweet Greens, yeah, Sweet Greens is just a uh, salad place, right? Um, <laughs> They show me a lot of love via Instagram and sometimes send me a sweater. So shout out to you, uh, Sweetgreen. But uh, Sweetgreen is a fabulous salad place. And they, everyone you go into, there's a big board of where they source all their, um, all their product from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be that simple. I mean, that's, that's the way to go. I'm all for that. Uh, Chipotle, they know what they need to do. They, they need to settle that lawsuit and be honest and real. And they come back, come back proper. I mean, yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Um, I I could be here. I could be. I could. You be. don't want a fan to build your own. I, I love that. So because it's a build your own. People like to customize. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? Plan at Chipotle and seeing that man be like more sour cream, more sour cream. <laughs> Just wait you like, but people love that. It's just you know they got to tighten it up. Yeah, I, I, you know what? It seems like we're here for these lifestyle bowls. I'm just not here that it costs extra for guac. Organic Valley was fined for dumping milk into an Oregon river. Were they? Oh, no. I did this just for you, girl. Oh, no. Well, you know, I know Organic Valley. I don't like their salsa. Um, Damn, I don't know, man. So uh, organic, uh, organic Valley is the largest organic farming collective in the United States. And apparently uh, McMinnville Creamery was yeah. just fined. Um, it's one of Organic yeah. Valley's producers was just hit with a $26,000 fine for dumping milk products into a tributary of the nearby South Yamhill River. Hey, that's terrible. That's... Yeah. As a result, the creek was turned milky white for three quarters of a mile, um, endangering wildlife what? in the process. Yeah. They're playing God. I don't like that. Thumbs down. Two no. thumbs down. Jesus, man. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, animals don't need to eat dairy. <laughs> like you're forcing them. They're just trying to take a sip from the river. And next thing you know, they're getting some. They're getting a mouthful of ch uh, stale cheese curd. Right, exactly. That's not nice. No, this one, that one was especially for you. <laughs> Actually, this food news update was all tailored to you because you serve sometimes vegan dishes. Uh, you serve a lot of bowls, right? And now, and now, Portland, Oregon, not, you know what I mean? I get, you know, hippie, hippie and organic and green, but yeah, man, we got some, you know, some people. Yeah, and now Organic Valley is trying to fuck your rivers up. <laughs> These birds in the water, man, that's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm sorry. That's terrible. 
That is terrible. Well, I think this is a great way. You know what? Boo to you, Organic Valley. We're not here for you or the milk in the water. And with that, I think this is a great way to end. Food news update. Yes, 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 yes. We do. I always say we do the most investigative reporting here. Love it, yeah. Thank you. Anytime. Okay. The, was that a good time for you? Do you feel? Uh, do you feel just enlightened and like? I do. I do. I know what's going on around the world in the food news area. Yeah, I feel yeah. good. Yeah. So uh, that's great. So listen, let's get into it. How? So you run a business called Meals for Heels. Tell me what it's about. All right, Meals for Heels is Portland, Oregon's uh, only late night meal delivery service that caters to the sex worker and sex positive clientele. Uh, basically, I have a four item menu, keeping it simple because it is just me running the show right now. And um, I make the food myself and I go and buy the food myself and I deliver the food myself. So if you are a sex worker, a former sex worker, you can hit me up on Instagram. You can hit me up on Twitter. You can hit me on Google Voice and you can order a healthy, delicious meal. And usually from the hours of 9 p.m. to 2.30, 3 a.m., especially on Friday, Saturday, you can, you can get a healthy, delicious meal delivered to you for $15, including delivery fee. Um, yeah, that's, where, that's but where does where did this idea come from? Like, obviously, you found a need for this niche market um, yeah. for the sex workers and the sex positive yeah. uh, workers and the strippers and you know whomever else needs a late night me- healthy meal. Where how did that idea even become like hmm. to fruition? To fruition. Let's see. I mean, I came out the womb, you know, with, oh, you know, I was just like, ah, I saw the light and I came out. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, uh, honestly, uh, at the time, you know, what I, mean? I have a lot of friends that are in the industry. You know what I mean? I had a former partner. I have friends um, that literally are in the industry. And recently it was just like I had a dinner party and they had to take off to go to work. They didn't, we didn't get to eat yet. I, I boxed up the meal. Boom. And when they went to work, it was just like, all the other dancers or the co-workers was just like, what is that? Where did you get that? How can I have that? And so from there, the idea just took off. Um, I think in general, it's uh, Portland's known for its food scene, for its food carts, for its food scene, uh, or its food scene. And then also it's known, it's known as a sex, or I'm sorry, not sex worker, but the strip club capital in the United States um, per, I guess it's like per capita. So it was just putting two and two together. You know what I mean? It's like a simple equation. You got food and you got sex workers. And so we're going to smash them together and make a Yeah, I was, I was also um, just blown away that to read that Portland is like the sex worker capital of America. Something like that. I mean, I know we got 75 plus strip clubs and it, it, it has to be per capita because if you think about it, man, you know what I mean? I think, I, I feel like it, Portland and Atlanta are always like one and two and it goes back and forth, but. Um, yeah, it's, uh, but why do you, why do we think this is? How did, how did Portland just become like this mecca of strip clubs and, and sex workers? Because I was what? reading that it dates all the way back to the 50s. Right, which is interesting because that's uh, when that flip happened. So, I, I mean, as you might have known, in the 50s, actually, Portland had one of the largest KKK communities in the United States. I did so, not know that. But that's yeah, crazy. yep, up until the 50s. Um, I think from some research I've done, there was uh, some laws that were passed, I believe, kind of like, you know, one of them was like being naked 
like how they have, we have the, was it the World National or the World Naked Bike Parade or something like that? And that's one of the largest displays of nudity, but you have to be constantly moving is like the thing. So I think something like a law or initiative was passed where that made it okay. I'm not sure where the switch happened, but um, I think just having that mentality and that being on the books is kind of where Portland had the old like, hey, it's okay to be you, fly that free flag, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I was reading that a long time ago, an obscenity law passed where it makes it difficult. You can't fight it, so you can, uh, that's how strip clubs are allowed to have uh, nudity and uh, liquor and food and all these things just because of these old laws that were put in place. But I was still, once again, blown away by the fact that this is like the the sex worker, the strip club capital of america yeah i mean there's one like half half a mile down the road it's when you look at it in perspective uh one of the local magazines for the strip club and sex work industry has a map in the back and it lists all the clubs and everything it's also there's clubs and adult bookstores and lounge they call it private lingerie modeling there's so there's all types of uh i guess sex work or sex industry um um businesses out there not just strip clubs but um I mean, yeah, it's on a small scale. When you see the physical map and see how many there are, it's, uh, it, you know, it brings a smile to my face. Yeah, I mean, I think it would bring a smile to my face, too. I got, I'm, that's it. I'm moving to Portland, right, to, to twerk and to find a man to make I, a- <laughs> hey, I mean, there's a There's a couple of male strip clubs here, too, which um, I, I feel like maybe not as, not as popular in other cities, but uh, there's, there's two or three. Silverados, etc. Cetera, et yeah. Oh my God. I haven't been to Portland in forever. And Silverado was the first place I went. Okay. And there was a stripper. I was in love. Oh my God. This was 2003, I want to say. Didn't even hear yet. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there was a stripper named Michael that wore his glasses, Ooh. and uh, which I found very sexy for some reason. Mm. And he could make a and hopefully this isn't too graphic for you, but his like bar trick was is that he can make his testicles move up and down like by a lot without touching them. <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, it was like lifting weights or something. <laughs> and he had all the money thrown at him. That's what I remember. That was my Portland hey, experience. <laughs> you know, that's, that's an amazing trick, man. To get any of your private parts to do... Anything. Yeah, yeah, especially, especially as we get older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's right now. Great story. <laughs> yes, but um, so back back to feeding um the people of the evening. Yeah. I mean, so you found this need, right? Or or they found you, right? It sounds like, right? Or you found okay. each other. Yeah, we found um, each other. We found each other. It's um, but it's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I want to talk more to the fact of there not being maybe healthier foods available at night. Is is that the issue? Or is it the fact that like there's just no time because of the type of work that they're in to get to get that meal in? I think I think it's just a little bit of everything. So I say definitely a fact that I mean it's true. As much food there is, as much food and liveliness there is here, at 10 p.m., it is quiet in the streets of Portland. So, yes, there are bars that stay up until 2.30, and every bar or establishment of alcohol has to have food, but 
some places will, you know, will cut the cook because it's slow and that's, you know, cutting their costs. So then the bartender becomes a cook or it becomes fried stuff only. Or, you know, on the low, low, they're just like, hey, you can bring in food from elsewhere. Like if you got a burrito from the cart, maybe next door or attached, then that's cool. So, yeah, that, I mean, it just limits your options. Even with Grubhubs and uh, or, Uber Eats and all that stuff like that, it still makes it, your, your, your food options become limited and it becomes more expensive when you use Uber Eats and DoorDash. Yeah. So, I was just trying to find that middle ground. So, and let's let's get into it. There's like the great sex work debate, you know? Uh-huh. There is, I mean, there's people pro for it, decriminalizing it, yeah. because yeah. They, they say it would improve quality of life for these people. And then there are those that say, actually, it would, you know, just heighten the sex trafficking and make it harder to make uh, for all of this to stop. And then we won't even get into the morality of it all, right? Because, you know, that's, your morals are none of my business, right? Right. Is what I'm saying uh, for the most part. But um, it must be, it must be interesting as you deliver these meals to, to meet these people and to see, to see the way they live and how they're living. And some, sometimes this is a choice and sometimes this isn't a choice for them. And can, can you speak to that side of it? Um, I mean, from what I've seen, this is very much a choice for the people that I've interacted with and dealt with. Um, I think when it's not a choice, not a choice, that would be sex trafficking. Um, but uh, I, I like to say, and I stand by it, uh, I don't, I don't want to tell their story. So, you know what I mean? I, I'm not a sex worker. Obviously, I have nothing against it. But I would rather someone who is a sex worker tell the story. Um, but uh, from what I see, this is all consensual adults doing what they do and doing what they do well. So. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. I just, I'm just so curious about your perspective and just obviously you're not speaking for them, but yeah. you, you have to see just so much of, of the world at, at night, you know, in, yeah. in the strip club capital and the sex worker capital of yeah. America, you um, know, and I think, you know what I say, sex work, I think there's uh, a lot more to it than just sex. I think people just think sex but uh it's you know it's marketing it's business it's branding yourself uh same for strippers not only are they um um not just strippers but they're counselors <laughs> they're therapists they're this they're the side chick they're the you know all these things that comes under that title of being a sex worker so it's not just a one-dimensional job at all there's so many aspects to it and i, I really wish people would you know drop the stigma and give them the props that's where it's due you know what i mean yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm, I don't know if I do A, B, and C. And if you want to have a better, you know, what I mean, you want to have a better lifestyle or you know, make a little more money, you have to brand, market, and sell yourself. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're their own bosses, and you know, I, I'm all for that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Now, why are you, why are you only selling uh, vegetarian meals? Um, like, why, why did that decision happen? Oh, well, one, I, I live in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> so vegan, vegetarian, uh, it's it's very, it's, it's just part of the way of life here. Um, also, one, I think it, it's just easier. It's, I'd rather start with a base where it's like, if they want to add protein, which they can, they can add chicken, uh, chicken sausage, they can add protein. But um, it's just starting with, a, I guess, kind of like a clean slate, you know what I mean? Um, and the reaction usually is most people get it vegetarian or vegan. You know what I mean? It's you know, it'd be harder to adjust if you have meat, chicken stock in your in, in your like couscous instead of just having a veggie broth based couscous. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is the percentage? Do you have like 
men that order from you too that are in this business or is it just yeah. mainly all all women it's it's been uh it's uh i think last uh last statistic i saw it's uh definitely like nine no 87 percent female or women and then uh that other little 13 percent is male um i do like say bouncers bartenders i'm not i'm not gonna not i'm not gonna discriminate but i'm always gonna put the sex worker first you know what I mean, regardless of gender. Um, but um, yeah, I, I have bouncers, I have um, male dancers, I have male sex workers, I have trans, I have, I have everybody who, who wants to eat healthy and take care of themselves late night. I love that. I love that. This, your story is is fascinating, simply fascinating and, and beautiful at the same time. I, um, I love that. And I love everything that you're doing. And I can't thank you so much for, for joining me today on the pod. No, not cry from afar. Well, so I don't think we've had a cry moment on the pod in 97 episodes yet. Uh, so we are celebrating and rejoicing. All right. All right. It, just, it, you know, it hits my heart. It hits my soul. Cause like I said, it, I, it's yes, it's helping people. I just, it doesn't feel like I'm doing anything extraordinary. You know what I mean? It was, like I said, I was at the crossroad. It's putting two to two together. And I've always wanted to help people. I remember in high school and junior high, what do you want to be? I just want to help people. So um, it's, uh, I'm grateful. That's all. I mean, and I let's, uh, let's just talk about it, that these people are doing hard work on their bodies. Like they're putting their bodies, whether they're whether they're on the pole, in the bed, on the street, wherever they are, it's hard work on your body. And if you're not nourishing your body in a healthy way, like because all the only options are McDonald's and like fried foods, yeah. right? That's just going to deteriorate the body, so you can't work. Yeah, I mean, you, we all know how we feel when we eat some bad food. I eat to, I don't, I want to polarize like good and bad food, yeah. but um, I mean, I know how I feel when I eat maybe that Popeye's chicken sandwich, you know what I mean? I, I know I don't feel, you know, the best. And then that just reminds me, hey, we got to get some greens in there. We can eat the Popeye's chicken sandwich, but maybe put it on a bed of greens. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I love that. Anyways, let, let the people know, let the children know where they can find you, give them all the handles, give them the websites. The... Oh, here you go. All right. So uh, www.meals, the number four heels, H-E-A-L-S.com is my website. You'll find the menu there and you'll find definitely links to different uh, media I've done or catering. If you like to get some catering from us, it's something else we do. And on Facebook, it's going to be at meals for the number four heels, H-E-L-S, H-E-A-L-S. And that's the same for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, uh, y'all out there, go show her some love. Go send her the likes if you're not in Portland. And if if you are in Portland, all the articles say that the food is delicious, honey. They, they, they're the most honest and dopest crew to work for, sex workers. So, I mean, they, I don't have to pay anybody to say what's up. Uh, they, they tell me the food, the food is good. I believe in my product and they believe in my product. And so that's what counts. Oh, my God. Well, that's incredible. So one more time, thank you to you again for taking time out of your very, very busy day or busy morning, right, to join me. And I want to, as always, thank you out there for listening to In Yo Mouth.